Congregation, I invite you to stand. Our service tonight begins with Psalm 51, read responsively. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. In your great compassion, blot out my offenses. For I know my offenses, and my sin is ever before me. Indeed, I was born steeped in wickedness, a sinner from my mother's womb. Remove my sins with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be purer than snow. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my wickedness. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Let me teach your ways to offenders, and sinners shall be restored to you. Rescue me from bloodshed, the loud of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit, a troubled and broken heart. O God, you will not despise. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you hate nothing you have made, and you forgive the sins of all who are penitent, creating us new and honest hearts, so that, truly repenting of our sins, we may receive from you the God of all mercy, full pardon and forgiveness through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Joel. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be ever again after them in ages to come. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and, your, and not your clothing, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, Sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, 
gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, where is their God? The word of the Lord. The second reading is from 2 Corinthians. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we were together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the acceptable time. See, now is the day of salvation. We are putting no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, holiness of spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet are well known, as dying and see we are alive, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing everything. The word of the Lord. According to St. Matthew, Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So, whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. 
Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, O Christ. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, over the course of Lent, we are going to take time to look at the Ten Commandments. And as we look at the Ten Commandments, what we have to learn, and what we must continually do as Christians, is not just to learn the Ten Commandments, although we do need to do this. Rather, we have to learn how to use the Ten Commandments. As, as I wrote this, I was thinking of the many public debates in America over the years about what to do with the monuments of the commandments. Right? Can they be displayed in courthouses, and public schools, and public spaces? But what we want to be careful about, in any case, is simply seeing the Ten Commandments as something static to memorialize, or something on which simply to inscribe a monument and then forget about them. Instead, what is more important is to know the commandments and then to understand that they are saying something to us. And so Ash Wednesday is the perfect time to start this endeavor, to learn what the Ten Commandments are saying to us. So on Ash Wednesday, we see two different things happening. Because on Ash Wednesday, we face the realities of our baptisms with the realities of the sinful flesh that clings on to us. We are reminded on this day, above all days, that we, body and soul, are corrupted by sin. In our baptisms, that corruption is drowned. It is no longer what God sees in us. When God looks on you, he only sees Christ. But in this age, and until these bodies of ours return to the dust from which they were created, the corruption of sin is going to cling to us. We will not be perfect in this life. We cannot free ourselves from sin. And to be freed from sin is not something we can do by our own will or by our own effort. It's not done by our effort. Our effort it's only done by the Spirit. And so we can start in talking about the Ten Commandments by first saying the commandments are not a solution to our sin problem. The commandments do not guide us into holiness. St. Paul teaches us that only the Spirit of God does that. Nor do the commandments justify us before God. They don't make us right with God. Only Christ does that. Instead, the commandments for us serve as a mirror. They're going to show us where we do not measure up to what God demands of us. And so the first thing, the first basic thing we say about the commandments is that they are God's demands of us. When Moses went up on the mountain and received these commandments from God, God himself wrote these commandments with his finger on stone. In other words, these are not arbitrary rules created by men. Rather, these are divine demands that are binding on us. 
And in the commandments, we see that there are two types of demands. Sometimes we talk about the two tables or the two tablets of the commandments. And in fact, there's a good representation of this on the window on the west side of the church. The first tablet has three commandments concerning what God wants from us as we relate to him. And then the second tablet has seven commands that show us what our neighbors need from us. But we still have to get to this question of introduction. How do we use the commandments? And I think we can start by way of illustration. There are some people who absolutely dread going to a doctor's appointment, especially dread going to a routine doctor's appointment. And of course, one of the reasons they dread it is the belief that they are going to get back into the exam room and all the tests are going to point out everything that's deficient about them. You go in and you step on the scale. Well, already that number is a little higher than it ought to be. The nurse takes your blood pressure. Well, that's a little high. The blood work comes back and the doctor reads it. Well, your A1C is high. Your cholesterol numbers aren't what they need to be. And on top of all of that, all of the routine stuff, maybe all the tests and the examinations will find something wrong that you had no idea was there. Something there might require extensive treatment. Something there might change your life. Something there might even be terminal. And so using the Ten Commandments is going to be like stepping into that doctor's office and getting a thorough examination. It's going to reveal things about you that maybe you didn't know, or at least things that you intentionally ignored. Our confessions say that the commandments are a mirror to us. They're going to show us the truth about our condition. And so make no mistake about it, when we hold up the commandments and we really look into them, none of us is getting off with a clean bill of health. We're all going to be diagnosed with some serious sin. And as we look at the commandments over this Lenten season, there's not a single commandment that we will hold up and we'll say, oh, I got this one. I'm really good at this commandment, no worries. Instead, every single commandment is going to convict us. And this is how we're going to use the commandments. We're going to hold them up, and we're going to see all of our conditions. And this isn't something most of us are used to doing. Most people are living unexamined lives. That's always the easy path, not to deeply consider what's going on with us spiritually. However, we all do come here each Sunday, and we all together confess our sins. We all together receive absolution. But there are times when our confessions can fall into getting overly generic, and we begin to think of ourselves only in terms of generality. Right? We all know that we are sinners in general. We think, well, I'm not perfect, but nobody is. Or worse, we become such general sinners that we try to compare our sins to someone else's, right? At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But what is God's law? What do the commandments tell us about our sins specifically? It's the difference between coming to the doctor and saying, I think I don't feel well, and coming into the doctor and saying, here are my specific symptoms, can you treat them? And going to the doctor and saying something like, I think I have some health problems, 
but you should see my neighbor. You should see how sick that guy is. That doesn't help us either. And so as I talk about the commandments in terms of medical diagnosis and things, some of you undoubtedly and rightly will be thinking, this preacher is depressing, right? Why do we want to spend all this time looking at how bad we are? Why spend time on seeing how much we do not measure up to what God demands of us? Isn't church supposed to be uplifting and motivating? But this is precisely what we do on Ash Wednesday and what we do in Lent. We are asked to strive to be honest about what it means to be a sinner. And not just a sinner in general, but a very specific sinner. And so on Ash Wednesday in particular, we're reminded that our sins have consequences and that there are consequences of being complicit in this sinful age. And the final consequence, of course, is that our bodies return to the dust from which they were created. And so why spend time on such a depressing topic? Why spend this time on diagnosis? Well, first, because God's word diagnoses everyone who takes the time to hear it, read it, consider it, and apply it. His word is living, and it's for you. If you spend any time in scripture, God's word is going to convict you. It's going to point out your sin. You cannot get around it. But more importantly, even than that, is that God wants you to love the medicine he has for you. He doesn't want you to try to self-medicate. He doesn't want you wasting your time on Dr. Google trying to diagnose yourself and fix yourselves like we all do. He wants you to know that, in fact, you do have a serious condition. But more importantly, he wants you to know that he has the cure. And in fact, it's a cure that's given to you every week when you come here. And each Sunday in Lent, you'll have the opportunity to receive what the early church fathers called the medicine of immortality. You will receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Christ is your cure. He's the one who takes all of our terminal conditions and cures them. He's the one who bears our sins. And he doesn't just bear your sins in general. He bears your sins specifically. The sin that you are most embarrassed about. The sin that you feel the most ashamed of. The sin that you would never whisper to a soul in this world. That's the sin that Christ bears for you. The gospel is not general. The gospel is specific to you. It is about forgiveness. It's about redemption. It's about healing for you as a person. And the gospel's power becomes all the more real when you can name the sins that are present in your life and then hand them over to Christ. And if you really consider God's word to you, you will, in fact, see how much of a sinner you are. But this ought to drive us all the closer to Christ because he's the one who rescues us from the guilt. It's Christ who solves the final problem of sin for us. The problem of being returned to the dust, as we'll hear in a second, Christ has solved it for you because he has taken on the sins of which you are guilty. He has borne their consequences. And then he was raised out of the grave for you. And because Christ was raised out of the tomb, 
so also will you be. And so the Ten Commandments are going to make your sin problem very clear. And I hope it makes it very specific. But let this be all the more reason for putting your faith in Christ. Because he is the one who bears all of those sins for you. Amen.
friends in Christ. Today with the whole church, we enter the time of remembering Jesus' Passover from death to life, and our life in Christ is renewed. We begin this holy season by acknowledging our need for repentance and for God's mercy. We are created to experience joy in communion with God, to love one another, and to live in harmony with creation, but our sinful rebellion separates us from God, our neighbors, and creation, so that we do not enjoy the life our Creator intended. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to a discipline that contends against evil and resists whatever leads us away from the love of God and neighbor. I invite you, therefore, to the discipline of Lent, self-examination and repentance, prayer and fasting, sacrificial giving and works of love, strengthened by the gifts of word and sacrament. Let us continue our journey through these 40 days to the great three days of Jesus' death and resurrection. And let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most holy and merciful God, we confess to you and to one another and before the whole company of heaven that we have sinned by our fault, by our own fault, by our own most grievous fault, in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, O God. We have shut our ears to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, O God. Our past unfaithfulness, the pride, envy, hypocrisy, and apathy that have infected our lives, we confess to you. Have mercy on us, O God. Our self-indulgent appetites and ways and our exploitation of other people, we confess to you. Have mercy on us, O God. Our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to share the faith that is in us, we confess to you. Have mercy on us, O God. Our neglect of human need and suffering and our indifference to injustice and cruelty, we confess to you. Have mercy on us, O God. Our false judgments, our uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us, we confess to you. Have mercy on us, O God. Our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us, we confess to you. Have mercy on us, O God. Restore us, O God, and let your anger depart from us. Hear us, O God, for your mercy is great. Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. May these ashes be a sign of our mortality and penitence, reminding us that only by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ are we given eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. At this time, those who would like to receive the imposition of ashes are invited to come forward. And now I invite you to stand. 
And our service continues on the top of 255 with the responses. On 254, sorry. Accomplish in us, O God, the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Savior, bring us with all your saints to the joy of his resurrection. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Amen. Now let us pray with the whole people of God in Christ Jesus for all people, according to their needs. Gracious and merciful God, you see our hearts as they really are. You see where we mourn our sins and where we still have pride. Look with mercy on us, creating us new and right spirits so that we may declare your praise, so that in these Lenten days we may learn to die to self and to follow Jesus who bore our sins on the cross. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, Heal the wounds of all those who are estranged from your church. Give them renewed understanding of your mercy and love, and lead them into a community where your word is proclaimed, so that they might hear the promises of your gospel. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of comfort, remember those who are now in hospice care, those who have a terminal diagnosis, and those who are living their last hours. Provide them with peace, hope, and comfort as they lift their eyes to you. Give to them caretakers and loved ones who will pray for them and attend to their needs in the hour of their death. Lord, in your mercy. Sovereign Lord, guide those in authority in our land, especially our President Joseph and our Congress and our Governor Richard Michael, that our laws may be just and may lead to the pursuit of virtue. Where our laws are unjust or against your word, Lead them for your mercy's sake to make them right so that we may act in good conscience as citizens of this land. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort those in any distress and grant healing to the sick, peace to those who are troubled, and those who we lift before you now in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy. Bless us, Father, on this holy day of repentance. As we enter the season of Lent, let us hold fast to your word. Teach us to die to self and to serve you faithfully throughout this mortal life until at last you bring us with the blessed saints into your presence forever. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. invite you to be seated. We will continue with the giving of our offering.
Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care. And prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty, and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast that renewed in the gift of baptism we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast, grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth, burning with justice, peace, and love. And with your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed and holy Trinity, now and forever. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.